Carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go.
good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Would you stand with us? Welcome if you're worshiping online, if you're in the room with us this morning. Let's lift our voices and sing together. I count on one thing. The same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. Working all things out. Yeah. Good morning. How are you today? 
pray that you are having an excellent day in the Lord, our Christ and Savior. How many of you have said, yes, I will? Praise God. Praise God. That's what we all need to say, yes, I will. Because once we choose God and we know who we are in him, we can count on him to do the rest. Our scripture this morning is found in Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And it says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you have accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world, rather from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. The word of God for God's people, amen? It's a very strong word because the Bible tells us if we choose Christ that he will make us a new creature. So can we go before the Lord in prayer this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your many, many blessings. And even though some may think it's early, we have so much to thank you for already in this day that you've created. We thank you first, Lord, for salvation because salvation is eternal. Next, we can thank you for waking us up this morning because, Lord, you didn't have to do it. Third, we can thank you for bringing us here to your house where we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Next, we can thank you for giving us a right mind to worship you, Father. And we could just go on and on and on about what we can thank you for, Father God. But we thank you for loving us. We thank you for being with us. We thank you, Lord, for surrounding us with children that you created. We just thank you and we love you, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for sending your precious Holy Spirit. And we ask now that you that your spirit has its way in this worship experience, Lord. Lord, we thank you for equipping our pastor with the word that he's going to bring us today. And we just love you, Lord. We love you and we thank you. We worship and we adore you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. You may be seated. Hey everyone, my name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, 
So we wanted to take a few minutes and let you know about some of those. When difficult times happen, a kind and loving response can make all the difference. That's why the Church World Service Blankets Program was created, to give a kind, loving, and tangible response to someone facing a difficult time, reminding them that they are not alone. CTC has been blessed to be a part of this ministry for a number of years. Because of your generosity, our church is able to donate 90 blankets this year. These blankets are life-giving to so many people who are in desperate need. Grief is difficult and often lonely to navigate with all the emotions that go along with it. Grief shares a friendly, caring group of people who will walk alongside you through one of life's most difficult experiences so you don't have to go through the grieving process alone. This group meets on the first and third Saturdays of each month from 1 to 3 p.m. and is led by Pastor Vaughn Montague. To learn more, go to ctcde.church slash lifegroups. In an effort to help families with young children be able to attend small group meetings and other small functions, we need part-time on-call child care providers. This would not be during our regular weekend service times. This is a part-time pay position. You can learn more by going to ctcde.church employment. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And good morning to everyone online. It's nice to see all of you. Hopefully you had a good week last week, um, even though it's super cold. Like I told everyone last night, I keep checking the weather, acting like it's going to be 60 degrees, even though it's January. So I guess I have to wait a few months. But again, good morning, and thank you for joining us today. If you are new here, again, welcome. And before you leave the sanctuary, once you leave and go to the left, you will see the Welcome Center, where you will receive a free gift and be greeted by someone from our pastoral staff. And again, it's like a welcome center. If you've traveled before, there's brochures, again, cute little gifts. So it's a nice place to check out. And for those of you online, you can click the New Here button or the bubble that just popped up in the chat. And for everyone in person today, um, whether you're at your seat or sitting at a table, you will see Connect Cards, where we would love for you to fill out your name. And if you have a prayer request, you can write that down, too, because we are always praying for you. And for those of you online, you can click the Connect Card button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat. And I just thought, you know, we don't talk about this every week, but also inside these envelopes is a little uh, message notes card that, uh, that just gives you an opportunity to jot down some thoughts or, or another prayer or, more importantly, in my mind, is some kind of decision that you make after hearing the message. Jesus sends us out into the world and always asks us to, to do something. And we, can't, we have to live out our faith. So use those note cards. Jot down some ideas of what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and what you're going to do about it this week. And take that home as, as just a reminder. And uh, we, we always want to encourage one another to, uh, as we practice our faith here, to grow in, in all aspects of our faith. And one of the ways that we do that together is to encourage generosity. Uh, in, in loving others, in serving others, and in giving and in engaging the world. 
And I was thinking this week about the, the widow that Elijah uh, went to visit. God told Elijah to go visit this widow. God told this widow, a man, Elijah, a prophet's going to come and visit you. She lived with her son, a little boy. And when Elijah got there, she needed to feed him because that's what you did with guests. But all she had was a, was a handful of flour and a, and, and a cup full of oil. And she said to Elijah, I don't have enough food to feed you and my son and me. And Elijah said, go ahead, use it for the Lord. Feed me first and you will discover that you and your son never run out of flour or oil as long as there's a famine in the land and it will last until, um, until the rains come and you can grow more grain. And so that's what she did. And it's just one of those things, the principle that, we're, that we teach each other, this is principle number six. And so let's, let's read this principle together. We give according to our ability and beyond. And that was one of the scriptures that lady gave of her ability. She could give that little bit of flour and the Lord took care of her. Uh, and that's the kind of generosity that God wants us to have. Um, let's read this scripture from the New Testament that that uh, supports the same idea. Let's read this. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. God wants us to stretch our faith, to give what we know we can give, and then go beyond. Whether it's our financial resources, our time resources, uh, our material resources. uh, You know, we all have somebody to love. Mm, let's love this person also that is beyond <laughs> sometimes our ability and show loving acts to them as well. This is part of growing in our faith and uh, living what Jesus teaches us to do. Let's continue to worship God this morning, and I invite you to stand as you're here in the room, and uh, let's sing online, but I'll offer this prayer before we do that. Heavenly Father, we certainly are grateful for the many ways that you call us to act, to trust, to believe, to speak ways that go beyond what we can do according to our natural abilities. We trust you, Jesus, as we come to worship you this morning. Now, Lord, continue to speak to our hearts as we sing to you. Speak to us in these words and certainly speak to us in the message that we have to hear today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name.
Always working on our behalf. 
Declare it. I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fire. Standing next to me. There'll be another in the water. Holding back the sea. Should I ever need reply? How good you've been to me. I'll count the joy come She loves to tell me that I'm borrowing trouble. Because I'm calculating all these things. And I'm Mr. Worst Case Scenario. If you want to just hang out with me for a half a day, I can come up with the worst case scenario for every possible thing. And so I do that to myself. I borrow trouble. And I forget that there's another in the fire, in the water. That he's walking with me. That he's encouraging me. That I'm not doing this alone. And not only is he walking with me, but he's given us a body of believers to encourage each other. That's what life in the church is all about, folks. Us loving God and loving other people and loving each other and encouraging one another. So, Father, we pray today that you would help us not forget. It's easy to forget. Lord, we get this tunnel vision where we can only see our what we set ourselves up for the worst. And maybe not every probably not everybody in this room, but I can speak for myself that I set myself up for the worst. Lord, help us, those of us who do that, to rest in you, to know that you are with us. 
you're there in the fire. You're there in the water. And Lord, there's a purpose for the fire. There's a refining process that happens when we go through the fire. And so it's necessary for us. But you're with us. We thank you for that promise. We invite April to join me on the platform. As we continue to pray, we'll, those of you that have children that are in kids' church when we're done with this and we play the bumper, you can go with Miss April and her team. So, Father, we just thank you for the ability and the, the privilege and the opportunity to join together in your house. Lord, whether we're in the room, whether we're watching online uh, today or sometime later, God, we pray that we sense your Holy Spirit moving in and among us. So, Lord, we lift up April and her team as she ministers to our, as, she, as they minister to our children. Father, bring your anointing on them. We pray for Pastor Roger as he comes to bring the next message in our series on the churches of Revelation. Lord, over and over again, at the end of every one of those letters, if anybody has ears to hear, open our ears, open our hearts, and let us receive from you. Remind us, Lord, of who we are. who we belong to. I want to give thanks to the Lord for, for you, first of all. You know, uh, do you realize how important it is for the body to speak in one voice to our God? And when you gather together for worship, and when you read Scripture together out loud, or when you sing a song together out loud, it lifts up the praises of God in a way that we can't, we human beings cannot conceive. And the Lord is pleased when we do that. And, and when I hear you singing the way you do, it lifts me up. And I thank you. And if you're online and you're, and, and, and you're singing at home, the Lord hears that as well. And, and know that the community of those who are online who are worshiping together, share, share comments together, share phrases together. Share your praises and your prayer requests together online because we are never alone. And as that song, there is another in the fire. We are in this thing together. What a powerful song that is. And I, I thank our praise team, Pastor Bill and Debbie and Carolyn and Stephen Weldon, cool man Weldon on the bass and uh, Daniel and Chris and uh, everybody in the, in the background. I don't know if you all realize how many people are beneath us uh, making sure all of this works. 
and uh, it, it, it's, it's important. And they're here at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we're praying together for our time together. And uh, the Lord is just good to us. And I thank all of you and all of you online uh, for who you are and what you're doing. You know, I, I think about worship often and what it means, and it's a, it's a, it's a strange thing. And it's a strange thing for people who, who do not have faith in Jesus Christ or, or, or trust in God to see those of us who do worship God. And they must look at us and say, what are they doing? But, but when they watch us worship, that still is our testimony to who God is. And uh, it's, a, it's a powerful witness. So I, I thank all of you as we go into this. And we're still worshiping. It's not just, music is not the only way we worship. We worship by listening. And we worship, by, worship has always included speaking uh, the Word of God and hearing it uh, proclaimed and given instruction to us. So here we go, looking at, at uh, the book of Revelation for uh, another time in our series called Seven. And kind of if we have a theme word today, that theme word would be compromise. And a compromise, I read this quote, a compromise is just a situation in which neither party gets what they want. <laughs> right? I didn't get much reaction to that because it wasn't that funny. More truth, perhaps, than funny. The book of Revelation is intended to lift us up and to encourage us, to inspire us through especially difficult times. And the book of Revelation was written at a time when people who were committed to follow Jesus, they faced uncertain, extreme persecution in the Roman Empire. And the author John was exiled to an island. And while he was on that island, he experienced great difficulty. He experienced a a vision that he describes in this entire book of Revelation. Now, our circumstances in our world today may be very different from John, but we still all, each one of us, faces much suffering in the world. So while this, while this book describes a future in which God is making all things new, it still encourages us now to keep our hope in Jesus, who is and was and still is to come. And in the early chapters of this book, we see these messages that Jesus gives to seven churches. And we make a mistake if we think that we're not one of those churches. More importantly, we make a mistake to think that only one of these messages might, be, might apply to us. No, the truth is every one of these messages has an application to each one of us in our world today. So, we look at the third letter written to the church in the city of Pergamum. And so it's in, it's in Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Let's turn there this morning. Revelation 2, if you're following the Bibles that we have here in the room, it's um, page 1042. Revelation chapter 2, verse, starting with verse 8. The message, the heading in, our, in these Bibles says, The message to the church, I'm sorry, chapter, verse 12, The message to the church in Pergamum. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Pergamum. 
This is the message from the one with a sharp, two-edged sword. So, unlike many of our handwritten letters or, or, or printed letters that we are used to today, where the, the address is at the top, and then you find out who sent the letter only at the end of the letter, the, the, the pattern for these letters is more like our email uh, messages that we send, where you've got your, your, the, the person to whom it goes, and then right below that is the sender's address. And so you know immediately who is sending this. Well, let's look again at who is setting this. And just like in the previous two letters, we see that it is very clearly identified as God, more specifically, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And this time, the sender is described as the one with the sharp, two-edged sword. Now, this message, uh, uh, apparently, uh, uh, the point of this message, and, and pun intended, but we're looking not at the point of the point of the sword. We're looking at the edges of the sword. Both of them are sharpened. Now, most knives that we have in our kitchen are sharpened only on one edge. I don't have a double-edged knife in my kitchen. In fact, I wanted to buy my my son a double-edged sword or a double-edged knife. We were living in New York at the time. It was illegal to purchase a double-edged knife in New York. I thought, well, well, apparently they're dangerous. Apparently they're only used for weapons. Apparently you're going to just going to do damage with it if you have one, so you couldn't buy one at that time. Be careful, because the message that we're going to hear in this can cut both ways. Oof. So let's read that message. And the first... Verse 13 says, I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne. What's he talking about? The city of Pergamum. Let me give you a little uh, archaeological background, a little historic background about the city of Pergamum. If we were to look at at a distance at the city of Pergamum, which is in current day Turkey, on the western coast of Turkey, near the Aegean Sea, the, the, the city of Pergamum is 15 miles inland. And it would, it would appear to be there would, there would be somewhat of a plain, but then there was, there's this rise, a hilltop that's flat on the top. And on that flat hilltop would be a, is a perfect place to establish a city. Why? Because you can see your enemies coming from a distance. And it's easier to protect your people and your belongings from that place. And so the city of Pergamum probably was established around 500 B.C. And ever since that time, it has been a strategic place. And as we look at at each one of these lessons, these letters, we discover that each one of these cities was picked for a reason because each one of them has their own strategic military purpose. And on this one, here's the city of Pergamum. And because of its, its geographic location, it was a great place for the government to establish its center. So the city of Pergamum was, was for a long time, it was part of, the, uh, part of a city-state in the Greek Empire under Alexander the Great. And then it became its own city-state, protecting itself. It had its own king for a number of years. And then it became part of the Roman Empire. 
And for about 400 years, this hilltop was the center of the pagan government and religion. In other words, it's the seat, as, as John describes it here. The city, literally, where Satan sits, has his throne. So there's significance in this. It's, it's the center. It's the government center. It's the religious center. And as the religious center, over all those years, every different religion had built its temple there. And so there were four, at least four significant places of worship. There was a, a place to worship for, for, the, for the Roman god Trajan, who was deified. Thank you, Fran, for getting doing some fact-checking for me, <laughs> some research for me. The, the emperor Trajan was deified. He was, he was determined to be a deity by the Roman Senate. Caused me to think, what if in America, which we obviously are founded on the, the principles of some of the Roman Empire, that our, our Senate decides that it can determine somebody is a deity. Lord help us. <laughs> but Trajan was the emperor of Rome. The Senate decided that he was so great that he, he should be deified. And so they built this temple on this hilltop in Pergamum for Trajan. There was also a, a, a temple for Zeus, who was the Greek god, whose name in the Roman Empire was Jupiter. There was also a temple for Athena. And then there was a temple for, I can't, there were four of them, I can't keep forgetting the fourth one. But anyway, they were all there. And among all these places, there was the worship for each of these. And you know, the kind of worship that they did is nothing like what you and I do here today, lifting up our praises. Part of the worship that they had was literally to offer sacrifices. And our God says, no, no, no. Do not sacrifice your children or your animals, but give yourselves, not as a dead sacrifice, but as a living sacrifice. Because our God is the God of life, not the God of death. And so... This letter comes, I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne. And yet, remember the double-edged part? We're seeing one side of it. You have remained loyal to me. And there's this great compliment. In the midst of the suffering, you have remained steadfast to me. You, and then it goes on. It says, you refused to de deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. Who's Antipas? This is the only place in the Bible that we have this Antipas referred to. The other Antipas would be Herod Antipas, which would have been the, the, the ruler uh, around Jerusalem. But we're talking in western Turkey, so we're hundreds of miles away from there. This is a, a different Antipas, and we don't know any more information than what it tells us right here, that he was a faithful witness and that he was martyred among his brothers and sisters there in Pergamum, Satan's city. But we do know this, we do know some of the tactics of the martyrdom. 
of, of martyring in those days. And in the Roman Empire, they had this very large bronze bull that was hollow. And it had a door. And there were times when they would take the one who was to be martyred alive. And they would open the door and they would shove him into this bronze bull. And then they would light the fire underneath that bronze bull. Okay, brothers and sisters in Christ, those of us who who are proud to be in, in our country where we have the freedom to worship the God that we choose to worship, imagine one of us being taken and said, you deny that Jesus is God and proclaim that Trajan is God or proclaim that Zeus is God or proclaim that Apollo or Athena or whoever it might be is God and deny the God. Because you can't serve the God you say Jesus is and any other God. Now, if you serve this God, we do believe that you can serve many gods. But according to the one God, there are no other gods. So you have to choose. I choose Jesus Christ, the God. Well, I got a place for you. I can't imagine the noises. The ruckus, the pain, the burning, the literal cooking inside this bronze bowl. Is it? Let's look at verse 13 again. You refuse to deny me while Antipas, my faithful servant, was being martyred among you here in Satan's city. Now, it's possible that this was written that the other brothers and sisters, they were cowering in their houses or they were hiding around the corner. But it's also possible that they all, the Christians, had all been marched out into the stadium and they were all lined up there, one by one, being shoved into this bull. And we're there standing, proclaiming Christ, thinking, I'm next. Is your faith strong enough to stand against Christ? That kind of persecution? We can't. We, 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 only, we only benefit from it because there was somebody more than 200 years ago who said we need a government that recognizes the freedom of people to choose whom they will worship. And we are blessed to currently live in a nation that does that. Okay. That's one side of the two-edged sword. We get to verse 14 and it begins with the word but. That means we're going to flip the sword over and talk about the other side. So he just just gave this great affirmation for the people who endured this persecution and they refused to speak against Jesus. But I have a few complaints against you. Uh Uh-oh. He says, you tolerate some 
among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. Now, he's speaking to the Christians in, in Pergamum, a Greek city, a Roman city, not a Jewish city. The Jews were hundreds of miles away in Jerusalem, but we knew that there were Jews there. But he's primarily speaking to a Jewish community. Why do I know that? Because he refers to the Old Testament. And, and it wouldn't be meaningful to them if they didn't know who Balaam was. So we can assume that the people reading this, hearing this for the first time, knew who Balaam was. They knew who Balak was. And, and he's saying to them, what you're doing is nothing new, but you are compromising your behaviors. Jesus says, do this. The world says, do this. But you are trying to say, well, we can do both. What Jesus says is, is a sin. Ah, that's not a sin anymore. And we can mix these things together. It's okay to do that. No, it's not. Balaam taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. Verse 15, in a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. And so he's connecting an ancient practice of blending together the beliefs and the practices of other religions along with that of Christianity that the Israelites did hundreds of years earlier. And he's reminding them, you're doing the same thing. And verse 16 says, stop it. (laughs) Stop it. You know... We have to do more than just proclaim that Jesus is who He says He is. We have to live it. We have to live it every day of our lives. And, and, and when we compromise our faith, when we compromise our thinking, when we compromise our words, when we compromise our behavior, we not only lose our witness to the rest of the world, but we lose our place. Hmm. Be careful here. <laughs> and I'll let Scripture speak for itself. He says in 16, Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Anyone who has ears must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Each one of us has got to listen to the Spirit in this. Because I know we, we, we absolutely live in a com- complicated and complex world, trying to follow Jesus Christ in a world that says, oh, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to think that way anymore. And, and we, 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 in many ways, and I am guilty of this also, of being weak on what Jesus teaches us to do. I don't want to do that, Jesus. They'll make fun of me. Like I said last week, the strongest time I ever felt persecution was when somebody in college said, you're a Jesus freak, aren't you? That's not persecution. That was a compliment. 
<laughs> we can compromise our finances. All of us get in difficult situations. I remember, I'm going to tell a story about my dad, who was a faithful man. But there was a time in my dad's life, and, and when my dad was in his 40s, he had a choice to make. He, he was, we lived on upstate New York, we lived on a farm. One of the ways he decided he could make some money is by selling snowmobiles, snow machines. You don't have many of those in Delaware. <laughs> You know, it's like a motorcycle on skis. And, it, and, and so I remember going with my dad to, to this tractor store where, they, where, 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 where this salesman was giving a pitch to the farmers and he was saying, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you these demonstrating snowmobiles and then you take them back to your farm and you demonstrate them to your friends and you sell them to your friends. And Dad thought, okay, maybe that's a way that I can make some money for the family. I can sell these snowmobiles. And so we had three of these snowmobiles and, and we used them and we, we, we enjoyed them. And then time went on. I don't think Dad ever sold one of them. As he wasn't a salesman, obviously. He was a farmer. Just stick to what you know. Stick to what you do well. Stick to your strength. But Dad had to provide for his family, and he, so he thought, maybe this is a way I can provide. And things didn't go well. And we lost that farm. But Dad still had these demonstrating, the, the, these demonstrator snowmobiles, three of them. And he knew that they weren't his. They were the demonstrators. And they, were, they belonged to the company. And Dad should have returned them to the company. But now... We're selling everything. We're liquidating everything to provide for the family. And Dad has a choice to make. Do I go ahead and sell these snowmobiles at the, in the auction and keep the money for my family? We really need it. The creditors need it. How do we get out of this? Or do I do what's right and give them back to the company? The company doesn't want them. They're used. They're old. They're six, seven years old. They're, the company's not going to get any money out of them. The company won't even notice they're missing. So in his 40s, my dad made that choice to go ahead and sell them and keep the money for the family. Thirty years later, my dad's living with me. And we're driving down the road, and, and I'm now in my 40s. Trying to make a living for my family. Feeling stressed sometimes. You know, churches aren't known for giving families the highest salaries. <laughs> and we're doing what we believe is right. And we're driving down the road and my dad's in his 70s now and he, only, he, he died when he was 79. And he probably was 75, maybe 77 at this time. And we're driving down the road, just me and him, and all of a sudden he's, he's reminiscing as, as people do. He starts telling me this story about his choice of what to do with these snowmobiles many years ago. And he makes his confession to his son. I probably shouldn't have done that, but I did. 
We all have moments where we have to comprom- where we're asked and tempted to compromise, to do what is right. And yes, Jesus is forgiving, but we also need to confess it and to repent of it, and then pray, God, give me the strength to do what is right. I love my Father. And and what I'm not telling you. It is so much easier for me to tell you a story of when my dad compromised his, his behaviors than to tell you a story of when I did. And don't judge me for that because you have the same decision to make <laughs> standing up here in front of everybody. But we all have these things to confess. Let's lighten things up a little bit. So compromising our faith is not always a good thing. And it doesn't bring us the consequences that we think it's going to bring us. So I'm inviting you to my house. And in my house I want to give you a treat. How about some cheese balls? Some cheese puffs? All right, all right. Welcome. Whoops. Fill that thing up. These are, these are really these aren't these aren't foam balls. Sorry, here you go, James. <laughs> um, oh no, I got more room in there. Um, let's mix it up. Let's have something else. Um, I like whoppers. We'll just throw some whoppers in there. Uh, a little mixture of things. All right, take what you want. Oh uh, my, what? My jar's not full yet. Oh well, I gotta fill it up. Uh, let's uh, let's just put some practice golf balls in there. They're nice. Still not full. Let's get some more in there. Anybody want a snack? What's wrong with this? I made a compromise. I had to fill the jar. What's it? What's it? What's it, what? What difference does it make? You get practice golf balls and smacks through the grass a few times. Eh, just on top of the. Snacks? Go ahead. Have, help yourself. Nobody's going to want to do that. Oh, you're thirsty? Oh, nice safe drink in church orange juice. Some orange juice? Beautiful orange juice. Oh, wait. You don't like orange juice? I'm sorry. I got some milk. Oh, I don't have a... A glass. Oh, that doesn't matter. We'll just mix them all together. Now, somebody told me that they used to do this. But if the camera could zero in on it, you can see it start to curdle already. You know, there we go. Boy, that's pretty. Mm -mm -mm. Wow, good illustration, Roger. <laughs> Drink it. <laughs> oh, I'm listening to the crowd. What do I do, Lord? Don't listen to that evil person that said drink it. Right? We have to think. We have to listen to the Spirit of God who's the one who gave this message to the people in Pergamum. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And, 
and we need to open our senses up to what God is doing with us. Uh, final illustration, I guess. I don't know. How are we doing? Oops. I ah, shouldn't do it. Quickly. I was taking a class in seminary. Um, this was a doctoral level course. And uh, so it was, I don't know, maybe um, 10 or 12 years ago I was taking this course. The professor on the first day of class, it was a, it was a, it was a week-long intensive class. So, so we were there all week. The first day of class, he wanted to take us out on an experience. And so we drove, it was in Kentucky, we drove from near Lexington to Kentucky, we drove east into the Red River Gorge, a, a national or a state park in the eastern Kentucky. Beautiful area where, where over, the, over the centuries, thousands of years, whatever you want to believe, carved out this beautiful gorge through the hills and the plateau. And there's, it carved out what's called a natural bridge. Or, uh, 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 sandstone is, is the predominant kind of stone that's, that's there. And so in this sandstone, the, the, the water and the erosion and the air and the wind, whatever, carved out this bridge. So you could see it was flat at the top, but it, the, over the edge it was... Um, maybe 150 feet, something like that. Uh, and then underneath, it was hollow. And you could, you could hike underneath it and, and great, big, great big opening in the rock. So we went out there, we hiked, we, we got on top of the natural bridge, and curious Roger wanted to see over the edge. And it, it's a state park, they wanted to keep it natural, so they... They didn't put any railings up there because to put a railing on it would be to ruin the nature. It's a natural bridge. Let's leave it natural. Well, most of our, the bridges that we know build with concrete, steel, and you get to the edge of the bridge and it's a 90 degree angle and, and so you can look right over the edge of the bridge. And I wanted to look over the edge of this bridge because I'm curious. By the way, there's a saying, curiosity killed the cat. And so I start walking towards the edge of this natural bridge. And what I didn't count on is that instead of it being a sharp 90 angle uh, corner at the edge of the bridge, it was sloped. It was gradual. It was natural. (laughs) Duh. But I still wanted to see. And so I started going down this slope towards the edge. And the closer to the edge I got, I still couldn't get close enough to see over. All I could see was more edge, and so I kept edging further and further and further. And soon I realized that instead of my feet being on level ground, now my feet were on angled ground, maybe a slope like this. Or maybe it was even like this. I don't know, 45 degrees, 60 degrees, 30, I don't know what, which way you do that. And I stopped. There were about ten of us in the class, plus my professor, and I could feel my professor's thoughts behind me. And he probably, he, he was not an arm's reach from me. He was 15, 20 feet away from me. He could not run. Plus, he was 70 plus years old. So here I am standing there, and I realize, and, I, and, and what, the thought that I hear coming to me from my professor, three numbers, nine, one, one. 
(laughs) He didn't reach out to grab me. He didn't call out. Nobody in the class called out. Roger, do you really know where you're going, what you're doing? It was a slippery slope. I was compromising. I was saying, I'm okay. I can handle this. I can handle this. I can go this far. I can go this far. And I was beyond the point of return if either one of my feet was on a rounded pebble or even an unsteady surface. And either one of my foot slipped, I would have gone over. I admired my professor for many years. I had several, several classes with him. We had many conversations. And he never said to me, Roger, are you sure you want to be doing that? He let me go until I figured it out myself. He never stopped loving me. He never stopped caring about me. He never stopped teaching me. But he knew that I had to make my own choices. God does the same thing for us. And when we realize that, he says to us, oh, you're too far over the edge? You're down a slippery slope? Verse 16 says, repent of your sin. Remember that the word sin, a very simple definition of the word sin is not just wrong behavior. The word sin means to miss the mark. Boy, that makes it a whole lot more broad, doesn't it? We can miss the mark that God has for us in so many ways. (laughs) God has a plan. God has a desire. I got a. I I I, I got a. I I told too many stories this morning, but I got I got to say this. Notice the two things that these people were led astray with: eating food offered to idols, and by committing sexual sin. I don't think there's anybody in this world that would, that would understand eating food given to idols. I think we all understand sexual sin. God has a plan for our human sexuality. A plan for good. A plan for life. A plan of pleasure. But it is a double-edged sword also. I referenced earlier wanting to buy my son a double-edged knife. It was on one of those occasions that he and I were talking about sex. And I don't want to embarrass my son, so I'll just embarrass myself. <laughs> yes, I had the guts to, to, to want to give him a double-edged knife so that he, and, and tell him to place this, keep this as a reminder that your sexuality is a double-edged sword. Your sexuality can bring life. Your sexuality can destroy yours and another's life. How are we going to live it? Jesus says, I have a way. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious. I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. I will feed you. Remember the the, the word victorious. We defined that last week 
as the one who is faithful. And to the ones who, are, who remain faithful in their speech, in their behaviors, in their thinking, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. That's a beautiful verse. And, and just like, just like the, the, the writer made an allusion to the Old Testament with Balaam, here again is an allusion to the Old Testament with the word manna. And just like he gave, he gave an allusion to the Old Testament and then he gave a current example talking about the Nicolaitans that was a group of people then who gave false teaching. In a similar way, he gives a current illustration that they could understand right now. And that's the white stone. Because the white stone was given to the victor. It would have been the trophy which we too often give to our children for no reason at all. (laughs) And on that trophy is written their name. But for those who remain faithful to Jesus Christ and listen to the Spirit and they have ears to hear and they're willing to follow what the Spirit is leading, you will receive a white stone with a new name on it that only you understand. How intimate is that? God loves you. God has a plan for you and your life. God has a way for you to live it. Trust Him. Learn His way. Stay connected with other believers who will encourage you. Stay away from those, the, the teachings of those that is against what Jesus teaches us and follow the way of Jesus. And know this. There is always forgiveness. There is always new life through the grace and the mercy and the act of Jesus Christ who died on the cross to give us new life time to pray. Are you brave enough this morning to ask God this question? God, is there anything in my life that I'm compromising? And are you brave enough as we pray and as we conclude our service to say, God, when you reveal that to me, I will do as you lead me. Whether it's word or action. Teach me, Jesus, and give me, because I remain faithful to you, that white stone with my name on it. Nobody else knows. A name that only you have given to me. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the calling that you've given to each one of us. You've made each one of us unique, and you name us with a unique name. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross. Pay the price for all of our sins. All the ways in which we miss the mark. Forgive us, God, when we listen to the temptations of those around us and we head down slippery slopes. And we realize we've gone too far. And we need to stop it, turn around, and go the other direction. Help us, Jesus. Come and be merciful. Pour out your Holy Spirit even as we sing and as we pray. Help us to be bold in our prayer. Open our minds and our hearts and our own spirits. Commune, to listen, to be obedient. 
for you teaching us. Thank you for receiving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with us this morning? The word is repent and turn from your sin. That's the invitation. It's the opportunity that we have to do what God is asking us to do. Maybe you're here in this room this morning or maybe you're watching us online and you don't have a relationship at all with Jesus Christ. You don't even know who this God is. Maybe you just came by the broadcast or you're watching this later on and you don't understand who God is. You can reach out to us if you're online live now. You can Our host will be there to pray with you. There are folks that are, that are here in the room that will pray with you. Let's just worship the Lord and ask for his blessing to fall on us as we turn from our sin and repent and do the things that he wants us to do. Amen.
Thank you for worshiping with us today. God bless you. We pray his blessings on you.